the Holy Gospel, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, St. John's family. I have just been overwhelmed even this morning, but especially this weekend, as I've been back here for the first time in a number of years. And I want to thank you for the opportunity and privilege. And Pastor Greg, I truly do count it a privilege to be here this morning. I, I want to acknowledge a special group of friends that are here as well, their classmates from our Salisbury High School class of 1972, 50th year reunion. Where did 50 years go? I don't know that you can answer that. This has just been amazing. We had a wonderful fellowship last night, and some of our classmates have come to join us today, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Folks, our family heritage runs deep at this church. I was going to do something, and I think I won't do it now, but just imagine if I got down off the podium, walked down that aisle, not before you go through the door, but near there is where I first came to church at St. John's. My father would bring me Emmett Gray Thompson, Jr. I'm Emmett Gray Thompson III, to sit with my father who we called Pop Thompson, Emmett Gray Thompson Sr. You know, when you're young, things look a lot different. Not only houses and everything that looked so large back then, my grandfather always looked intimidating to me. He was a wonderful man. He was a very giving man, but he had a stern look, to me at least. But as soon as I would sit down, he'd give me candy. And he's given to candy to many people in this community. Um, his former business, the, the Thompson Auto Garage, was off of um, Lee Street, right behind where Belks was. And his building was a treasure trove for us to go and get to look around. And, and I have family here today that, that knows that feeling. His wife was Gertrude Wise Thompson, and she died before I was born. My mother, Ann Howard Thompson, uh, fought a very debilitating disease, which I'll come back to, and um, she passed away in 1970. I have cousins here today. I have um, Tommy and Mimi Carlton. Mimi was the daughter of uh, Francis and Jim Crider, and her brother, Jim, is here today as well. Raymond and Kay Coltrane are here today. Kay and her sister, Nancy Dunham, were the daughters of Suge and Charles Wallace. 
I have another cousin, Jody Ellis, who I don't think could make it today. His mother, Gertrude Ellis, and her husband, Joe, who was a city attorney years ago, um, those three dear ladies were the sisters of my father. I also want to acknowledge my dear sister, Judy Moore. Judy moved back here from Greensboro several years ago after retiring with a wonderful 35-year career with the FBI. And her husband, Don, tragically passed away way too young within months of when they retired. And she would come back here after handling his estate matters and care give for our dear father, who by that time was starting to have some health issues. He was a hummer whistler kind of a guy. And um, she now lives in our childhood home off Wiley Avenue. But the rock of my life is here on the front row, my dear bride, Valerie, who I met in Nashville, Tennessee in 1983. And we married in 1985. And we're blessed to have two children. Our son, Gray, is an Air Force Academy grad and is a pilot and has been in a program that we really don't know what he does and where he's at most of the time. He is married to the daughter-in-law that you pray God will put in your son's life. Tanya is from McAllen, Texas. That's way down in the bottom of Texas. And they have a little boy, White, that's about three and a half years old. We have a daughter, Mandy, who is married to the son-in-law you pray God would put in your daughter's life. David is from Jackson, Mississippi, and through a series of promotions in recent years, they got to move from Nashville to, she graduated from Belmont University in Nashville, got to move from Nashville to Chattanooga to now right down the road, and they have two children. James is about four, and Emmy is about a year and a half, and I've got to tell you, being Poppy and Mimi is the best gig I've ever played in life. You know, I'm slow. I really am. Some people know that. Um, my friends back in Knoxville, I tease a lot. I don't think there's a lady in here that had to be asked, do you want to be a grandma? But for the men, I can at least tell you for me, and most guys I've talked to, they didn't have a clue what was about to happen until they held that baby in their arm, and they were done. They were toast, and that's my story exactly, exactly. So I want to make sure you understand, uh, I, first and foremost, I, I stand before you as a worthless sinner, saved only by God's loving and forgiving grace. And I'm, I'm here to talk a little bit about something very special, um, and I want to encourage you too, and I want to encourage you and, and me inclusive and our classmates. Um, this started about a year ago when uh, I talked to the former pastor about something very special that had happened in, in my life years ago and fast-forwarded. And um, due to schedule challenges between mine and the churches, we did not get to do this in, in the winter months. And as it turned out, when I found out about our 50th reunion, I just inquired, could we possibly do it that weekend? And uh, uh, was gracious enough to be given this opportunity to do that. You know, I, I kind of feel like, and I told our class this last night, I, we, we had a wonderful reunion. Uh, the only heartbreak moment was overwhelming to me 
because I've not been here in years, uh, and I just didn't know, we had, I think, right at 63 class members who have passed away. That was a fourth of our class. Now, that's real life. I understand that. And we prayed for them, and I was honored to be asked to lead a prayer for them. But I've thought about that. I've dwelled on that overnight and again this morning, just thinking about, wow, there were so many people. I'm looking at an annual thinking they're going to be there, but I'm looking at an annual expecting to show up, and they look the way they did back then, and, and none of us did. Of course, I probably did, but none of the rest of y'all did. So it's just, it's just part of how things change, and you're not prepared for that. I, I like to remind people that, um, you know, when we, we think about a life journey path that we've been on, we, we have sometimes a lot of highs and lows. Um, you know, it, it looked like uh, for me in my life, uh, everything was going well. You know, I can remember fond memories here. My dear father never missed a Sunday school class in 70 years. And he passed away in 2011, but we came to church. We came to Sunday school. And I'm going to say this, and I mean it in a sweet way. I'm glad we were made to, because if you weren't made to when you were young, you didn't know to come as you, as you got older. So that was, it was not an option. I have fond memories here of um, when the chapel wasn't there and the old service station was. And we'd, anybody remember that? And we'd go over and get snacks and drinks. There's a hand back there uh, in that building. You remember that? So we, that's what we did, Mr. Lobline. We did that. And candy bars and drinks and the old-timey cooler that the bottled drinks were in, that was special. Boy Scouts here. My dad helped lead the scout troop with Willie Shaver. The Trexler family got involved with that. Um, and I, and I almost cried when I walked in here with my mind immediately, Judy, Valerie, going back to Christmas Eve service. Oh, how special to be in here for Christmas Eve service and just the emotional sweetness of what that event represents. So very fond memories. But something happened in my life that changed it forever, 50 years ago. On July 23rd, 1970, my life changed forever. I came home from being at a friend's house to find my mother non-responsive. My mother suffered immensely for almost 10 years with a circulatory disease called scleroderma and was in major hospitals all over the country frequently. I don't think many of my friends or classmates ever knew this but I do remember some of their parents were very supportive to us. There's still no cure for this devastating disease. I called my father at work. He called an ambulance. He came home and took me to my grandfather Howard's house. And when he came back to my grandfather's house, I met him at the door. He looked at me and my grandfather, and with tears rolling down his face, he simply said, son, she didn't make it. She's gone. Up until that time, I had really been a shy, introverted mama's boy, and I was very small in size. My father did everything he knew to raise me the right way. He worked hard. And I began to seek friendships, not to be shy, to get involved in our church youth group here at St. John's. And I've got to stop and tell you how sweet it was 
for Hollis Miller's wife to greet me outside today. Hollis Miller was our youth pastor and died way too young in life several years ago. My senior year in high school, I led her youth group and preached my first sermon from right there. I visited a seminary with Hollis. A lot of people, a lot of family, a lot of friends, a lot of those that are in heaven now just knew I was going to be the first preacher in the family. I went to college and I fell away from my walk with the Lord. Without elaborating, God never turned away from me. I turned away from Him for a while. But through a series of events, He moved me to Nashville, Tennessee from Salisbury. He then placed a precious woman in my life journey path named Valerie Montgomery that prayed me to change, and then everything in my life changed. She has been my loving wife for 37 years. She's an incredible woman, wife, mother, grandmother, and most of all, my best friend. As I look back on my life, I realize that God has a special plan for me. He placed people in my life journey path who loved and prayed for me and mentored me. He never gave up on me. I am truly unworthy and humbly grateful that he has been there for and with me every moment of my life. So I wanted you to know a little bit about me. I'm not a pastor and a worthy to carry one's Bible case. I'm an ordained deacon. I'm an ordained chaplain. I have been privileged to lead a ministry that I'm really not going to talk a lot about, but I will in just a moment. I started realizing as I got older, something really important happened that when you're young, you just don't realize. You, you don't know to be aware of some of the things going on around you. And it hit me full bore a few years ago. The St. John's family are the ones that mentored me that God put in my life. Their children might not have known about what I was in the middle of, but they did. And they encouraged me. They were there for me. Their children encouraged me and became friends to me, some that I had not had friendships with. I think about looking through directories, the names, the Rufty family, all of them wrapped their arms around me. Amazing. The Lowblind family. The Trexler family. Our youth workers at that time. Certainly my cousins and family members, all encouraging, all encouraging, all directly and indirectly ministering to me. I regret that two classmates couldn't be here today because their parents played a big role. And I knew my father had to be grateful for this. Steve and Jenny Meisenhammer uh, were at our reunion last night. Steve just retired from a wonderful ministry career at St. John's Lutheran in Knoxville, Tennessee, where we live. And his dear mother, Margaret, and Father Ernest, who headed the North Carolina Senate for a while, they had me over for dinner I don't know how many times. 
included me in family events. Had another close family friend, Hope and Jeff Warren, whose son Jeff was a very close friend of mine. Jeff and his wife live in Memphis and have for a number of years. I don't get to see him much. But my dear friend Rob Fritz, who was Pastor Doug and Ann's son, was one of my closest childhood friends through high school. And not only did Doug mentor and encourage me as a pastor, but Ann, Miss Fritz, would include me in so many things. And I got to know them in a way that, you know, a lot of people probably didn't get to know their pastor at the time. It helped me realize a pastor is a human being first. And I just think about all the encouragement that he gave me. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. There's something that really has to happen in life that was one of the other reasons I was so grateful to get a chance to, to talk here. Um, the ministry I lead, Mission of Hope, it's, it's an Appalachian relief ministry. We're based in Knoxville. We're about 27 years old. Just envision this. And you, you can, when you're bored and home and want to go to missionofhope.org, you can learn all about us. But let me tell you how that's impacted my life. We serve the poorest of poor communities in what used to be the coal belt scene through southeast Kentucky, northeast Tennessee, and southwest Virginia. Imagine if you would, in those areas, schools, number one, with 100% of the student body on free or reduced lunch. Mountain ministry centers, which we lovingly call them, run by mom and pops, the lady, the man, the couple that were heartbroken to do something in their area. So more often than not, they begged for the empty storefront building to start the food pantry, clothing closet, furniture ministry, but they hit a wall immediately. There are no big St. John's, First Baptist, First Pres, First Methodist churches where we go. Most of the areas we go to will never be near an interstate highway. So we try to help them help their community. We give scholarships out to students who wouldn't get one otherwise. We build handicap ramps. We do outreach events and giveaways where we set up and we give every kind of thing that we're given away, but we share the gospel as well. And we also do this phenomenal back to school and Christmas program to where we go in and help every child at every school uh, with a wonderful array of everything you can imagine, just like that you would want for your children and grandchildren to uh, have. But I, I really, have been struggling in recent weeks doing this for 23 plus years. I've been heartbroken to go where the southeast Kentucky floods were recently. That made national news. There's been flooding for years in these areas, but this time it took out the local county seat. Imagine Salisbury with water running down Main Street. And yeah, it's gone now, but the residue of five foot high up against the door and wall, the mud that went in every single building, devastated everything, that's kind of what we see and what we're trying to help with. We're a conduit. We send resources to people there that are on the front lines of God's mission field doing great work and help them help the area. I don't know if any of your readers, but I had a major thing happen a few years ago in my ministry that dramatically impacted me. And 
I, I am blessed to speak to churches, civic groups, corporate sponsor events, um, colleges, high schools, and, and talk not only about our ministry, but about also something that's very important that has to happen in our, in our world. So after the third person recommended to me for a vacation trip reading a book by Tom Brokaw called The Greatest Generation, I read it. If you're a reader and you've read it, wonderful. If you haven't, I would encourage you to get it. That book was so intriguing to me, I could hardly put it down. But it made me realize something. Anytime I speak to a group of people that the greatest generation people are in front of me, I want to commend you. I want to thank you. Our parents, our grandparents were part of that. And if you know that story, and even if you don't, he chronicled one after another, people who came back from the war, the lawyer, the factory worker, the doctor, the gardener, farmer. All of them came back, and they didn't want to talk about what happened overseas or where they were. They wanted to live life and move forward. They wanted to build. They wanted to start families. They're the ones that built the Little League ballparks. They're the ones that coached the teams. They're the ones that led the scout troops. They're the ones that taught the Sunday school classes and helped with whatever a pastor needed at a church house. So I thought about this. St. John's family, high school classmates, we have to do something. This is a running baton. If you've ever seen or been a part of a four-lap race or a two-lap race or a one-lap with more than one runner, two very important things have to happen in a race. The current runner has to be willing to stick the baton out and let go. The next runner has to be able and willing to grab the baton and keep going. Because if either one of those doesn't take place, the baton drops to the floor and the race is over. It's done. You see, I think what we have to do, classmates, me inclusive, church members, we have to continue to serve. We have to volunteer. For young folks coming behind, I'm about to ride off into that never-never land I've heard of called retirement. I sail off into the sunset at the end of this year, I think. Um, my dear wife, Valerie's real estate business and her hard work and blessings have allowed me to do what I do in ministry. She's the most nervous person in Knoxville about me retiring. What are you gonna do? And you know, we just had something that's lighthearted and both heartbreaking happen that really, really got my attention. Just a few Sundays ago at our home church in Knoxville, at the end of the service, we stood with some of our best friends. He was healthier than me. He was retired, teasing Valerie about how are you gonna put up with him? I was doing that with his wife. Two days later, he had a massive brain aneurysm 
and they kept him alive to his two children got home from out of town and God called him home to heaven I went from one Sunday cutting up and laughing with him to help him do the funeral the next Sunday folks that's an affirmation of how fragile life can be I don't know any other way to get a grip on that and that one's been hard for me and yet we see that and we saw that last night at our reunion with people that I just knew were going to be there I just knew they were going to be there but they weren't because God had called them home and now there was change in their family's life forward you know um, I, I really I really feel like that sometimes what we really have to do as we serve and move forward in, in life is um, we really have to just trust and I know of no other better example than when you're really every day getting up in the morning and going to what I call the swimming pool building of life and some days it's Monday all day you really didn't want to get out of bed much less go do deal with whatever you got to deal with but you do because your faith says you do that so you climb up the diving board you, you go out you deal with life you do whatever and you walk out to the end of it because that's what you're supposed to do but not today I just can't deal with this that today I'm, I just can't do it and we actually just about give up on the day but then something hits us no matter what our challenge is we're dealing with we go back out to the end of the board and we say God I'm coming because I know you'd never let me jump into an empty pool I like to say we're in the hope fulfillment business and the definition of hope we use at Mission of Hope it's the confident expectation of good it's not the entitlement it's the confident expectation of good and I would offer to you that's a powerful emotion in front of me today could be people hoping the health test they've got coming back is negative hoping the family crisis they might be going through with a family member resolves itself hoping the rumored job cuts at their business or their children or grandchildren's business doesn't affect them or their loved ones there's a powerful story that I'm going to close with that I think speaks volumes about why it's important to help others there's a story that goes there was a grandfather and a grandson walking on the beach I try to envision this I can just see it and they're having a great stroll it's early in the morning and um, the grandfather being taller sees it first something's not right up ahead he sees something on the beach and the little grandson's not seen it yet so when he finally zooms in with his eyesight it hits him oh no those are starfish that are stuck on the beach when the grandson finally makes out what it is he starts running to where they are and he can't wait to get there the grandfather becomes even more tentative and hesitant because he knows there's a teaching moment ahead that he just really wished he didn't have to deal with so when the grandson gets there he waits and when the grandfather gets there he turns around and says poppy what's this what's going on and the grandfather just really for a while 
doesn't want to have to deal with this, and he kind of gets overcome with emotion. And he kneels down to his little grandson, and he says, Grandson, I'm so sorry about what this is, but these are starfish that aren't going to make it. There's just nothing we can do here to make a difference. So the grandson really doesn't quite understand, but he kneels down again, and he picks up a starfish, and he throws it as far as his little arms allow him to back into the water. And he looks back at his grandfather and says, Poppy, we made a difference for that one, didn't we? Church, let me tell you what you can do to make a difference. Class, here's what we can do to make a difference. We can be the encouragers. We can be the mentors. Without spending a penny, we can be the volunteers. We can be the servants. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take that baton that's been given to us with incredible example here at this church alone and keep passing it forward because that's what we do. I give out scholarships at high schools at the award ceremonies in rural communities that I dare you to find with the best GPS you've got most of the time. And I speak to the students and when I'm through and I've handed the winner the scholarship. Sometimes it's more than one school. We target B to C kids because we learned A students, even at Podunk High in middle of Nowhereville, if their principal and guidance counselor have any initiative, they'll help them get, get a good scholarship. And I look out when I'm through and I say, students, whatever you do, don't forget, never, never, never let anybody steal your dreams. And you dream big because you can. I wish for your church a long heritage. I thank you for memories that many of you, many in heaven, helped make for me. I thank you for a church that never gave up on me and ministered in a way they never even knew they were doing it. And Pastor Greg, I thank you for the privilege to let me share that story today. God bless you.